Let's start off with a story this morning. A story of a monk named Tetsugen. And I was drawn to the story because my first teacher's name was Tetsugen. Bernie Tetsugen Glassman. But this Tetsugen uh, lived in the 8th century. And he decided to publish the sutras, which at that time were unavailable in book form, in written form. Books were printed in blocks of paper, thousands of copies, but very tedious and very expensive. Paper had been invented in Japan sorry, in China in the 6th century. And we were now in the 8th century. But it was still a tremendous undertaking to begin to print these. And sutras are called sutras because they were sutured together. The binding stitched, just as our precept sewers are sewing their rockasas right now. Tetsugen began by traveling and collecting donations for this purpose of copying, printing, disseminating the sutras. And here's what it says about his activities. Because he vowed to do this, and it required carving several tens of thousands of wood block plates, It was a tremendous expenditure of money. But he responded to the challenge with a superhuman devotion. About the time he'd collected sufficient funds for the publication, the first time a great famine occurred, and the victims of the famine were wandering up and down the roads, some dying of hunger. Seeing this, Tetsugen freely gave away all of it as relief money. He started again then from zero. When the second fundraising just about reached the point where publication became possible, once again, famine accompanied by floods and then a great epidemic occurred. Tetsugen donated the money for the relief of people. A few of the sympathizers had given him money along the way. He went to the first man, who was a samurai, and in spite of Tetsugen's earnestness and entreaties, he passed on by, pretending not to notice. And Tetsugen followed him, saying, Please contribute, if only a small amount. No, I won't, said the man. Please. No. This dialogue continued for four miles. And finally, in spite of himself, the hard-hearted samurai was worn down and said, what a pest you are, this monk. Thank you, said Tetsugen. Thank you. And seeing how politely Tetsugen received the money and thanked him, the samurai said, honorable monk, 
You must tell me, why are you so happy after following me so far to receive only a penny? Tetsigan replied, today is the first day I have begged for donations after making a great vow, and you are the first gentleman to give to me. If I had not been able to get this first penny, perhaps a doubt would have come into my mind. But now that I have received the donation, I firmly believe I'll be able to accomplish the vow. That's why I'm so happy. The collected sutras which have come down to us today, called the Obaku edition of sutras, covers 600, sorry, 6,771 volumes. This work, all due to Tetsuken Zenji's unstintingly pure spirit, carrying out his vow. So as I read that story, I wondered, is that what it means to have a mind not hindered by fear? How would that be? Probably all of us can admit we have fear, we have doubts, worries. I wondered if this was also the same kind of mind that the 7th century Chinese Buddhist monk Huang had as he crossed the deserts from Afghanistan to China to India with the sutras sewn into his clothing, in valises that he carried sometimes on his back, in order to bring them to the Silk Road, to the Dunhuang Caves, where they were then kept, many of them, including the famous Diamond Sutra, until it was discovered in 1900. We have these sutras because some of these brave great vow makers have succeeded in remembering, committing to, and sharing the Dharma. The practice of Shakyo, which we're going to do today, Shakyo means copying the sutra, dates back to the 8th century at that time when Tetsugen was putting together those tens of thousands of blocks. And it was because Emperor Shomu in Japan had temples built and the demand for copies of the sutra suddenly mushroomed as people came together to study. There were no printers back then, so the copies had to be transcribed by hand. Additionally, it was the Heart Sutra, the shortest distillation, the essence of Sutra, 276 Japanese characters, which was most popular because it was easiest to copy. It was the work of respected monks and bureaucrats. Many of them specialized their whole life in just doing this. But then, around the 11th century, the samurai uh, clans began to copy them to pay for their 
sorry, to pray for their prosperity. And nowadays, many people do shakyo in pursuit of particular aims. But that is not what it was meant to do. It was meant to be a time that is like zazen, is zazen. The ancient ones said, you should observe the characters with your eyes and write each one as neatly as possible as if you were taking Buddha into your mind. That way you will realize that you are in fact synonymous with Buddha. You are Buddha. The practice of copying sutras has been said to have great merit. But of course, we practice without any sense of gain or merit. But when I was looking back at my notes from when I first started learning to copy sutras in 1978, I said, Izumi Roshi often would tell us that this was a practice that we could carry on through our whole lives, that it was the Buddha Dharma coming through our eyes, our brains, our hearts, into our hands, onto the paper, and then reflected back to us as we looked at the paper into our eyes and our hearts in our hands, back to the paper. So it became like a reciprocal kind of activity. It was one that he, Maizumi, who did beautiful calligraphy, would often tell us with a stern sort of, not exactly a reprimand, but he would say, it's not calligraphy. Even though I am a really good calligrapher, it is not. He said, it is not about your handwriting. It is about sincerity of your copy, the quality of your heart. And that, of course, is what our practice is all about. So as I was putting together thoughts on this talk, I felt my own quality of heart shifting, just as it has many times in these last weeks we've been studying it, because on a five-day-a-week schedule, some of us have been coming to chant it each day. When I read, the cause said, what a joyous experience it has been to write this thesis on such a short scripture what I have learned through research and contemplation turned out to be beyond my wildest fantasy. Well, I'm working on beyond my wildest fantasy. I haven't gotten there yet. But I have, in fact, had some sort of closeness develop, intimacy with this text, which has never been very approachable to me though I have chanted it, as many of you have, probably thousands of times. Remember that this Heart Sutra is really 
the heart of the Mahayana teachings. The Mahayana teachings, which are about bodhisattva practice, something that we are doing in the Sangha. Thinking of others first, before ourselves. Being of service. Being like Tetsugen, committed to a vow of generosity, of sharing, of saving all beings. It also is the sutra that emphasizes emptiness, selflessness, boundlessness. In Irene's beautiful talk where she walked us through many of the etymological histories of words in the sutra and in her own practice, we begin to see that this practice that Kaz talks about of researching and contemplating and that we've been investigating here and on weekdays, chanting it together, becoming intimate, something does happen. And although it is not something that I particularly want to continuously call magic, I will suggest there is some sort of transformational energy that occurs, for me anyway, and I can tell that with some of the others who are on with us in the mornings, that occurs also. So I'm hoping this morning that Shakyo practice opens itself to others, a new way to become intimate with the sutra. The five virtues of Shakyo are said to be venerating the letters with our eyes, keeping the letters in our hearts, chanting them then, the letters with our mouths silently, writing the letters with our hands and becoming one with Buddha. It's a form of prayer. In many places, Tibet, China, Japan, it's added at the end of many of the national declarations chanted for the, quote, protection of the country and the welfare of everyone. It has transcended, in a sense, the church-state split and become very much a part of a culture where non-separation is articulated and valued. Though, like many places, under assault as wealth, greed, fame, all of the difficulties we all have creep into these value systems and diminish that quality that I talked about, the quality of our hearts. So devoting ourselves to Shakyo 
even for the next 17 days, which is all we have in February, might be a way to feel that kind of transformational energy, even if you just copy a line, a phrase, a few lines every day. I think you will find there is something new for you. And as many of the commentaries say, the sutra will reveal itself to you. So the commitment is that you invite the sutra in and the sutra allows you to see it, to feel it, to transcribe it, and to carry it in a new way. There's a quote by Dogen. Monks, if you get into hollow discussions, your mind will be scattered. Then you will be unable to attain liberation even if you have immersed yourself in practice. So you should immediately leave behind a scattered mind and hollow discussions. If you wish to attain the joy of serenity, you need to cure the sickness of hollowness of your discussions, which are meaningless. This is called not to be engaged in hollow discussions. So this morning, let's abandon hollow discussions Embrace the scatteredness of our minds to focus them on becoming intimate here with the Heart Sutra. So first, we must ask the Sutra if it will allow us to copy it. To enter into interrelationship with it. Interbeing, as Thich Nhat Hanh said. Copying it, absorbing it. As Tetsugin said, there were three versions of the sutras that he produced. The first two were invisible. Only the third one made it onto paper. So today, as you think about that, there may be the invisible sutras already existing in you. And what you're doing is inviting the third visible sutra to appear. So if you did not get the email yesterday, or if you are not on the email list, please take a moment, find a piece of paper and a pen, and in just a minute, we will start to copy I'm going to ask everybody to also please keep their cameras on while we copy. Even if you finish. We're going to take about 12 or 15 minutes to copy. You may not make it all the way through. So here are some practical directions. 
choose a pen you like. If you've not been able to do that this moment, you'll find one for the next time. The ink can be any color. You might like to select really nice paper or a journal that you would do this in. It's always nice to bring an altar cloth or a beautiful scarf or some piece of material that makes you happy and to lay it on your altar so that after you have copied today, you can lay this in there and then wrap it in its sacredness. It's also good to sign the sutra and date it, your name, the date. Sometimes I put a word under my name, a word that has meant something to me special in the sutra that day. Now, these are some of the ancient directions. Wear clean clothes. Maybe your robe or your sitting clothes. If you have a rakasu, wear your rakasu. Next time, wash your hands before you start. So you're preparing an orderly, clean environment. And you prepare your altar by lighting the candle and perhaps offering incense, a flower. So this is preparing ourselves for zazen. And then, easy, three bows before the sutra. Three standing, sitting bows. And then I'm going to chant the opening of the lecture because I'm opening the sutra now. An unsurpassed, penetrating, and perfect dharma is rarely met with even in a hundred thousand million kalpas. Having it to see and listen to, to remember and accept I vow to taste the truth of the Tathagata's words. So here you are, asking if the sutra will allow you to please copy it. And in 12 minutes, I'll ring a bell and we'll stop. No right, no wrong. Time to let go. Be with the sutra.